don't scare anyone, but I'm going to give it to you straight about Jason. His body was never recovered from the lake after he drowned. And if you listen to the old timers in town, they'll tell you he's still out there. Camp Crystal Lake is jinxed. He's got a death curse. Some folks claim they've even seen him right in this area. Who's that? Oh, hi. What are you doing on this mess? The girl who survived that night at Camp Blood, that Friday the 13th, she claimed she saw Boy, is he dead too? We didn't find any boy. Then he's still there. Well, guys, we survived Camp Crystal Lake. We survived the Pakanak Lodge. And now we're entering a new dimension in terror. And we've hit Higgins Haven. Because now we are, uh, by my calculations, we're up to Friday the 13th, part three in our journey. And to celebrate... This episode is being filmed in 3D, just so everybody knows. We rented the extra cameras. We rented the 3D microphones so that everybody, uh, we spared no expense on this episode, filmed in see that, 3D. That's not good. That, that We can't be doing this. Why? Why? My stomach does not do very well when you actually have depth perception. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Uh, no. See, here's the interesting thing. Is, um, you know, the, uh, Shout Factory announced the big, uh, the, the big Friday the 13th colossal box set, mm-hmm. uh, that's coming in October. And they have announced the, uh, an actual, not the red green like we've had before, the red blue. Um, it's like the actual, like, 3D, the, the way that it was theatrically released, whatever that word is. Um, <laughs> and um, it, on that disc, so part three will actually be in 3D. And a lot of people are like, well, I don't have a 3D TV and blah, blah, blah. Um, most for, here's, here's two facts that are interesting. And, Scott, I know you're going to be really excited about this. All right. Uh, number one is most uh, 4K-capable TVs will do 3D and have a 3D oh. option, which is pretty awesome. Oh, nice. But cool. number two, this is the best part that Scott – I know you're going to love this. I love this. Your PlayStation VR will play oh. the Friday the 13th 3D disc the way that it's supposed to. So if you if you take your uh, if you buy this box set or like me, you already have it pre-ordered uh, and you take your Friday the 13th part three in 3D disc and you put it in your PS4, you attach your PlayStation VR. You can watch the movie in 3D the way it was seen at the theater on your headset. How cool is that? that this that is, is cool. bullshit. <laughs> this is bullshit. I'm still waiting to see how the PSVR is going to uh, interface with PS5. Yeah. If, if you can hook it up, or will are they releasing a whole new PSVR? Yeah, man, they can get another $400 PS4. out of you. Of course they're going to release another I mean, one. I, I know they're going to get a, a next-level next PSVR at some point. I mean, that's a given, the way the technology's going, but... Well, in uh, in about three years, when I finally get a PS5, I'll tell you. Yeah, I'll confirm. Well, it for you. 
when 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 I was watching the movie, uh, I noticed that my and I'm sure you're all's as well. My my Blu-ray copy, you know, you could you can watch it in 3D with the uh, it's the red green split. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not to be confused with the red green show, which is a whole other different animal, and it's really good. But uh, hey, I love red green, man. Red green. Glasses. I know you do. I've heard you like yeah. no joke. I've heard you talk about red green before. Yeah, red green is awesome. Anyway, the so red green I, show. Yeah, Google it. Oh, see God, what happens. This even looks terrible. <laughs> oh, God, that's great. Anyway, I, but anyway, that's neither here nor there right now. Um, but you I did bad try. Taste, Scott. <laughs> well, I am friends with you. Um, <laughs> Jesus. Wow. No, um, I, I love you. You know that. Um, but uh, so I did try to watch at least a little bit. You know, some of the effects yeah. in on on the 3D because even though I don't have red green 3D glasses. Uh, I, I do have – so I, I broke open my – this is going to sound really weird – my World War II uh, U.S. Army flashlight, which still has the uh, the light discipline red lenses oh, with it. No. Oh, no. So I pulled out the red lens from that, and I pulled out um, my green plastic uh, uh, CD case for Star Trek Voyager Season 3 oh, and held both of those up to my eyes. And it actually worked. It, it really did work. Uh, I was able to get the 3D effect. I just wanted to see some scenes, though I did not watch the entire movie holding both of those up to my eyes. I just want to be your wife walking in the room and seeing you do that. <laughs> she she didn't say a word. I'm sure she didn't, man. Yeah. The disappointment was probably palpable. Par for the course. Uh, so where did you get your copy of Part 3 that didn't come with the glasses? Uh, I ordered, it was the... Is it the eight film set? Yes. It doesn't, it doesn't come in glasses. Yes. What? Oh, okay, yeah. okay, see, see, I bought, um, because I have 3D glasses in my set, but it came from the Part 3 individual release. Ah. Because if you bought, well, like, way back when they first did the movies on Blu-ray, they did, like, one, two, three, and 4, mm. and that was it. And, uh, so I bought those, and Part 3 had the 3d glasses so when i bought the oh and i have the the i think the tin came with glasses too so i just kind of migrated everything to the eight film set i wish i would have known i would like they they're like the glasses that you know they have they're they're painted up to look like the hockey mask uh but they've got the red the red green lenses which is pretty yeah um yeah the um the the eight film set uh from amazon did not come with glasses well that sucks that's okay. I had red and green clear stuff I could look through here at the house. You may just, do. You know, arbitrarily. You're just randomly laying around. Well, because I'm I'm a very strange person. Well, you're Scott Cox. That's all we need to know. Yeah. Say no more. Yeah. Well, in addition to adding in 3D elements, of which we will get into here in a minute, because there's a lot of them. Uh, part of the uh, the backstory of the production of this movie is. This is the first movie to move out of New England, and filming took place in California. And you can definitely tell. They tried real hard, and all of the license plates that I saw were New Jersey license plates, which keeps up the uh, New Jersey setting from the first two. But uh, all of the trees, all of the... All of the landscaping definitely does not look like New Jersey. Uh, Crystal Lake looks more like a pond. 
a pond or a swamp. Yeah, yeah it, it definitely yeah. did not look like Crystal Lake at all. <laughs> no. Uh, Some would say a marsh. Yeah, it looks really, really small. Uh, so that was interesting. The original plot line of part three was supposed to be Ginny from part two, uh, and a very Halloween two esque storyline where she would go to a, a hospital to a medical center as WWE would say, and a local medical facility. And, uh, Jason would be hunting her down, which I think is a terrible plot. Uh, I think that's Awful. The whole point of Jason is he is protecting Crystal Lake. So him, as we get further into the series, uh, I will talk about my displeasure of him being removed from that setting. But uh, <laughs> when when uh, Amy Steele did not resign for another movie, they had to pivot, and we ended up with uh, the movie that we have, which ended up being iconic in and of itself because it introduced the hockey mask. Uh, you know, the first Friday, the 13th movie with the hockey mask. So big deal. Uh, and this has one of the looks that when I think of Jason, this is one of the looks I think of that green work shirt and, uh, the grungy pants. Like that's, that's what I think of actually uh, Harold's shirt and pants because uh, we'll post a picture uh, on the Twitter um, on our show Twitter when this is when this episode is about to air uh, because I don't know if you guys looked. I'll send you the picture. I took a screenshot of in the very Halloweenish scene where Jason is outside at the clothesline. You can see him wearing the uh, the overalls and the checkered shirt from part two. Really? It's like it's so quick. It's 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 like a it's it's like two frames. Um, but I'm going to let's see where it is. I'm going to find it and I'm going to send it to you because uh, I saw it. I was like, "There's no way! Holy shit! That is him with that!" All right, here it comes. It's coming to you. Hang tight. Um, because I said. There's no way, like, that they would get that that detailed on continuity coming off of the second one, right? Like as as we've said before, like Friday the Thirteenth manages to get like these little insignificant details that mean nothing exactly right, but then miss huge giant <laughs> plot hole. Like they 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 create giant plot holes because they just don't give a shit. But like tiny things where in the beginning of part three he's wearing the the what I call the Steve Dash outfit. Uh it just for for like two frames. Like literally they had him dress up like that for two frames. Insane. But uh tiny little detail. I thought that was great. Um to kinda as as uh you see that this takes place basically the day after part two. Uh so they, they try and do a good job of carrying that story over. Uh, so I guess this makes this one uh, Saturday the third or Saturday the fourteenth. The fourteenth, yes. Yeah, yeah. So, so technically, this is the first one not to take place on Friday the thirteenth, <laughs> as far as we know, right? Yeah, and then the next one will be the second one in a row not to take place over Friday the thirteenth. That'll be Sunday the fifteenth. Yeah, it would be because uh, two, oh, okay. two, three, and four take place over the same weekend. But we'll get to that next time. Uh, All right. But uh, yeah, so the big thing with this one. Uh, 
3D. Every 30 years, 3D seems to be a big thing. It was a huge thing in the 50s with movies. It was a big thing in the 80s. It was a big thing in the 2010s. And so I'm glad that we, we still have another 20 years before it comes back again. It's almost like, uh, you know, technology makes a leap forward. And then they're like, you know, let's let's see if we can bring that 3D thing back. And, yeah. Uh, because you know, in 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 the original, it was literally just the 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 red blue, where they just they split it, you know, yeah. back and way back, and then they had the technology uh, that they did in the eighties, which, to be honest, I don't fully understand. Um, and then we had the technology in the twenty tens, which didn't use different colors, but actually used uh, clockwise and counterclockwise uh, circularly polarized lenses. Uh, which I found extremely fascinating to give us really good 3D uh, effects when shot with the original 3D cameras. The the stuff to get transferred, I didn't care for. But yeah, um, but I know that um, there are plenty of of gags and uh, effects that try and take advantage of the 3D. There's a famous uh, Larry Zerner. Uh, interview where he talks about how many how it took him hours to get that uh, the wallet throw just mm-hmm. right yeah that was like one of the first 3d effects they were trying to do and it took like hours and hours and hours and so he was he hated the 3d aspect of it because it just everything just took so long to reset and do again and do again and do again and do again um, which is why this episode already uh, we're only about 13 and a half minutes in, and it's taken us uh, three weeks to, to record because we're recording it in 3D. So, yeah, I'm pretty sure, yeah. I'm pretty sure I lost my job already. Yeah, so. like, we, we have literally been – we've started this episode over and re, re-recorded scenes uh, for weeks, for weeks now. So I uh, hope you guys like it. <laughs> yeah, watching it non-3D, of course, I, I tried to count, I guess – all, all the different 3D gags that they're trying to get in, you know, all, all the stuff that's there specifically for 3D. And I'm sure I didn't get all of them. Um, but I, I actually had a running list at one point, and, and, and I got, let's see, I got 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 different things that I jotted down that were just specifically for the 3D. You know, baseball bats, eyeballs, yo-yos, wallet, pitchfork handles, axe handles, stuff like that. The juggling, Uh, the popcorn. Oh, see, I didn't get. I didn't get the popcorn. The popcorn. The the pop. The the popcorn scene is one of my favorites because, uh, you know, I may or may not have had something in common with that character and tried to uh, tried to catch popcorn in my mouth when I was a youngster. (laughs) <laughs> back in my teenage days well speaking of there's a there's a rumor going around that the original the original idea for friday the 13th part three because both franchises were owned by paramount was cheech and chong meet jason i can see that and I mean, you can that's where that character kind of derived from was the idea that cheech and chong were going to end up at Camp Crystal Lake or wherever, uh, and run into Jason. And apparently, enough people liked the idea that they kept a character that would that would be that way. 
He does seem very out of place with the rest of that cast, though. Yeah, it, it, it was Chuck, right? Yeah, Chuck. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's almost but not quite as bad as the Freddy vs. Jason. That's not Jason Muse, but it's Jason Muse winking the camera. <laughs> yeah. With Chuck and Tommy Chong. Yeah, it's it's he he seems like that guy that's like forty and tagging along with a bunch of teenagers. Uh, you like, know that's Rick. Oh God, Rick! Well, first of all, Rick, who I wrote, um, and we'll get to this in um, uh, the character section, but I described him as doofus with Mrs. Voorhees' sweater. <laughs> like that's that, that was my description of him. Like if I'm trying to describe him to somebody, like which one was Rick? He was the doofus with Mrs. Voorhees' sweater on, because um, that was not a good look for him. Um, but yeah, uh, so this one interesting. A lot more uh, like uh, fall kind of earthy tones being in um, California. There was a lot more like oranges and browns than. Uh, previous entries i noticed uh because mm-hmm. a lot of people are like oh like, like i've heard some people say that they can't really tell or it's not like really noticeable that they change settings that significantly but uh i think it's painfully obvious I that it's not filmed it. in new england yeah yeah you can pick it up uh Honestly, I didn't know it was California. If you told me it was somewhere like Georgia, Alabama, like yeah. inland Florida, I would have believed you. Uh, but yeah, I think, no. Sorry, I think the no, I think the swamp marsh, Crystal Lake, uh, makes your brain think Georgia, Florida, yeah. Alabama ish. Because yeah. that's 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 what I kept getting to. I wouldn't have put it in California. But then again, I don't I don't know trees and stuff well enough to. To, to to notice things like that, I I don't I just go that's a tall one, <laughs> that's a little one. I don't know. Um, well, if we're done with production, that means uh, we've got our next category that we use to grade these. I'm excited for this one because here comes the audio accompaniment. We're going to talk for a second about. The music of Friday the 13th, part three. The music brought to us by Harry Manfredini and the fake real band Hot Ice. I'm, I'm sorry. Wait, are we just not going to touch on that clip? <laughs> no, 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 that, that's the intro for the music segment. What, what is it? Oh, you, so you haven't you haven't watched part five in a while? Okay, we'll get there. Don't worry. Okay, okay, yeah, I I have not. All right, uh, yeah, we'll we'll get part, there. This part five is bad. Oh, just wait until we have a four hour rant session about part five in just a couple episodes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that yeah, that's uh, that's uh, demon from part five. Apologies. Those damn enchiladas. Um, so the disco theme. Here's here's the crazy part about the disco theme. By the way, uh, right off the bat, the most the, the craziest, most meta moment of Friday the Thirteenth so far, in my opinion, is the fact that uh, first of all, the disco theme exists, and second of all, 
the disco theme is playing over the radio when they go to pick up the groceries at the convenience store. Wow. Yeah, I didn't even hear that at all. So the disco theme exists in the world of Friday the 13th, which was like the trippiest thing to me. Huh. To be honest, I don't even remember music playing in that scene yeah. at all. But when she's like, "Can I have the wallet back, ma'am?" Yeah, like they over over the uh, over the radio uh, in the convenience store, they're playing the the main title disco theme song for Friday the Thirteenth Part Three, and so in their world, that song exists, which is crazy to me. Like outside of the movie. In real life, why would anybody make that song ever? Well, uh, apparently, I guess at some point there was a cover band in real life that was playing that song. <laughs> uh, and I'm sure you all you all know know that as well. But and I get the band's name, as far as I know, was called Nilbog. Oh God! Stop. I'm just saying. Uh. There was a cover band, I guess, in California for a while. I don't know exactly when or even if they're still around, but they were. They they did they did a cover of of that uh, that in eighties techno disco intro. Um, that was also for whatever reason. It's been said that that was a real big hit in uh, gay clubs in the in the mid eighties, hmm. which is kind of interesting. Um, you know, um, but. Um, yeah, Harry Manfredini comes back, uh, hits pretty much the same exact score as the last movie. Um, nothing really new. Uh, however, the main title theme, uh, which is credited to a band called Hot Ice, is actually um, Harry Manfredini and Michael Zager, uh, who helped co-write the song. So they made up a fictional band called hot ice. So the band really doesn't exist, but apparently they were good enough to get radio play in (laughs) convenience stores around the greater New Jersey, not California area. So yeah, that was my note. It says disco theme with three exclamation points. And then an arrow that says playing in the store because it, it rocked my world enough that, and uh, in in part six, I know they do that later on in the series where um, there are songs that are made specifically for the movie that then show up in the movie. Uh, so it's not the it's not the last time that the soundtrack will go ultra meta uh, and appear, but it's in my opinion the weirdest because that that song has no business being anywhere other than the opening titles of the Friday the 13th part 3 DVD like at least with later entries it's like Alice Cooper songs which I'm like Alice Cooper gets radio play got radio hot, play hot ice is a fictional band and this song has no reason to exist but I love it don't get me wrong. I love it. I have a copy of it. I have the, uh, the waxwork, uh, released a, a vinyl of it with like this ultra long, it's like a seven minute version. I got that too. I'm not, I'm not hating, wow. I'm not hating, <laughs> but, 
But, uh, yeah, it just, like, it, it blows my mind that uh, they couldn't get, like, any other, just, they, they couldn't just make a song uh, or come up with some generic kind of song or just, like, you know, license out something else to play other than, oh, just, 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 just play the disco song from the, the main, the main theme. We already have that. It's free, so. Yeah, yeah, Hot Ice gave it to us. It's fine. Just play it. It's odd. I don't know. Hot Ice, the totally real band. Yeah, absolutely real. They charged a licensing fee. I guess they are real. Um, but that's th- those are my only notes for music. Uh, same score cues. It's literally the same thing. Uh, like the, I, don't, I didn't hear anything new um, that, that was different. If you got a formula and it's working for you, you know, stick with it. Yeah, I mean, I guess. Not, uh, I think it's working for them. Yeah, I mean, it, it, especially the, uh, I thought the music in the, um, the, the opening part with, uh, Harold and what's her, what's her bitch, uh, was, was really good. Like, I thought that was a really nice, uh, really nice scene. I thought it was well done and the music added a lot to it. Um, but, you know, I love Mrs. Harold. Mrs. Harold is great. She's one of my favorite characters ever. I love her. Um, I really want to see her, you know, after her hair is actually done. And, you know, she's going out of the town. She's got a nice dress on, not the house coat, you know. I mean, she loves her husband. That's why she's giving him a hard time. Even though, for some odd reason, nothing in their store is refrigerated. Well, like, like nothing. He is, uh, she, she is like to her credit. She's a little bit of a saint because she puts up with what I believe is the most disgusting character in the Friday, the 13th franchise so far. Yeah. Uh, and I'll explain more when we get to characters, but yeah, Harold is probably the worst character in this movie. He is just absolutely disgusting for a couple reasons. He's absolutely gross. Uh, and she deserves a medal for being married to him. I got nothing against Harold either. He's an animal lover, so well, Harold's okay in my book. Also, also, I got a note about that under characters. But anyway, sorry. Um, those are all the notes I had for music. There was not a lot different. There was not a lot to really write home about with the music. Harry Manfredini again does a great job, but just nothing really, nothing, nothing really new. Um, our next category, and this is going to be an interesting one. This one's going to be fun. Gore effects, kills, and our favorite kill. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw, uh, who was credited with the special makeup effects. Me. For, uh, Friday the 13th, part three. It was me. Well, congratulations on your four Oscar wins, by the way. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, Stan Winston credited with special makeup effects. You may know him from winning Oscars for makeup effects on Terminator 2, Aliens, Jurassic Park, and The Lost World. Uh, so what a name to get for makeup effects. Holy shit. Definitely an improvement over the last one. Well, the last guy, hang on a minute. Uh, Carl Fullerton was a two-time Oscar nominee in part two, uh, but quite an improvement uh, to part three, where uh, we actually get a four-time Oscar winner. Of course, he hadn't won any of the uh, Oscars by then. Um, So, you know, um, 
the four-time future Oscar winner, Stan Winston. So uh, kind of a big deal, uh, and it shows a lot in um, the the. This is the first time we really get like a full-on uh, maskless Jason that we see because we kind of only see like a weird kind of not full-on Jason shot in part two. It's only like the through the window shot, which eh. Um, but this one, we actually get like a straight ahead. He pulls up the mask and all of that. So yeah, the, uh, when we actually see him with the mask off in this one, cause he, even at the end, you get some really nice daylight shots of him, you know, and everything. It reminded me a lot of uh, the the one character whose name I can't remember from the Goonies. Oh, Sloth. Sloth, thank you. Yeah, reminded me a lot of Sloth. Okay. You I, know, I can see that. In fact, when he's when he's running out of the house there at the end, you just I, I couldn't help but hear, "Hey, you guys!" <laughs> so as he's running toward the lake. <clears throat> so the scene. So basically, Jason is like Sloth gone bad. This is you know. What happened if the Goonies hadn't have been nice to Sloth? This is this is what would have happened. Oh man, yeah, Sloth's heel turn. <laughs> he just uh, he's just had enough. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not really big on the on his look in this one because uh, I, I think you're right. I think it's too much like Sloth. Um, I just I'm not a huge fan of it, but. Um, the other interesting thing that um, there's there's a uh, there's debate because you know we see what he looks like in part two mm. where he's got like the long hair he's got like the long hillbilly hair and uh, in the flashback from however many years before that uh, Chris talks about he looks like he does in part three. And so there's debate that the end of part three, where you actually see his face, is a dream sequence because that means he would have to go from looking like he does in part three to looking like he does in part two, then back to looking like he does in part three in between the times that he runs into Chris. Well... I, I have no doubt in my mind that the that end sequence in this movie is a dream sequence. Um, but she gets a really good look at him when he's you know getting himself off of the the noose in front of the barn because his mask comes off when he's trying to get the rope out you know off of his head, and she gets you get a very clear look at him as he's putting the mask back on, and, and obviously it's the same makeup, so that's what he looks like. So even though the end of that movie, as far as I'm concerned, is a dream, uh, you see him totally outside of a dream sequence anyway. So wait, do you think he's trying to get the mask? Do you think he's trying to get the noose off, or do you think that's part of his initial showing you who he is? No, I thought he was trying to get the noose off, and it 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 it, it flips the mask up because after he gets the noose off and he's free of the rope, you see him pulling the mask back down into into uh into thing in on, on into place onto his face um now obviously this does serve you know the 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 point of of letting uh whatever her name is um 
see that hey, this is this is old dude from you know several years ago that tried to you know do bad stuff to me, as if I didn't have a reason to be scared of him already. Now that's shit. a whole nother storyline I hate, but yeah. It does serve that purpose, but I honestly think that it was written that it accidentally came off as he's trying to get the the noose off of his neck. See, I think he does it on purpose because he's trying to mess with her. See, I don't, I don't, I mean, and like he this, recognizes this, this, her and like he pulls the mask up and then he does like a little, like he sticks his tongue out and he's like, like I see, I know who you are. And then like, it yeah, her out. I'm with Flanagan on this one. I think it was intentional, not just to try and help get the mask off. I think it was. To prove he is who he is. I don't know. This, this movie gives us a much more calculating Jason than we've seen before because he's actually, you know, planning and thinking, I guess, and reacting to things. But I, that just seems like uncharacteristic non-Jason behavior. Like, Haha, it's me. You know, I just I don't I don't I don't get it. that in the set. Um but, that, but the whole news thing does bring up a second point for me when I was watching it, you know, because you got, you know, Fox is up there swinging on that earlier in the movie. And then when she goes to fight Jason, it's like, oh, hey, look, somebody came up here in between and thankfully and lovingly and helpfully attached, attached an entire noose and block and tackle to the end of this rope where previously there was none. Uh, thank you. Whoever did that. Well, maybe it was him while he was setting up for another trap. Possible. He was setting up for another uh, another trap to lay on one of these unsuspecting teenagers slash bikers. Um, but uh, yeah, maybe he was setting it up for something, and then it got used on him instead. It's possible. Maybe I don't know. I'm trying to fill in the gaps that. Uh, I mean, yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot of gaps. You could write it that way. That is very true. Yeah. Um. But um. A lot of a lot of interesting kills in this one. Uh, a lot of like the uh, the harpoon that takes uh, the harpoon gun that takes advantage of the three uh, D. You have um, uh, cut in half, walking on hands. You have uh, the eyeball popping out. You got a lot of interesting, different, and uh, as as we in in contrast to what we talked about last time. On camera deaths, because last time we talked about a lot of the off camera, like a lot of deaths happened off camera. A lot of kills happened mm-hmm. where we couldn't see it. Like you'd see the buildup and then it would cut away. And this one, like this movie does not cut away. Uh, you see Rick's eyeball shoot out of his head. You see uh, Andy get cut in half. Uh, you see... You know, you, you see all of it, and uh, so I I give them credit for uh, not not pulling away, not cutting away when the uh, when the gore starts. Yeah, they they had they had some really good gore. Uh, Shelley's throat cut was very nice looking. Uh, a lot of blood, a lot of gore in that one. Uh, the eye popping, I, I really liked, even though. Uh, I, I don't know what it looked like in the, in the original, you know, theatrical release because we've gotten, you know, I'm watching it without the 3D stuff now. But in the in the non 3D version, with that and the spear, you can very very plainly see the guide wire right before it happens. 
Yeah, yeah, you can. These things are traveling on. Um, But once again, I I I don't know what it looked like in the original theatrical. So uh, I also want to note before anybody uh, before anybody writes or tweets or touts or whatever the shit social media that you use. Do you make a tout reference? It's a blast from the past, isn't it? Uh, Alan A. Apone is credited as the uh, the number one makeup guy. Uh, he has also worked on uh, the Avengers, Captain America, Winter Soldier, Westworld. Um, he got the on on screen credits for makeup, uh, but uh, depending on who you talk to, Stan Winston was uh, he's listed. He's uncredited, but he. Uh, Depending on who you talk to, he has different levels of being involved. So uh, I don't want anyone to write and be like, well, Stan Winston didn't do anything, but, but he's not credited. Just so everybody knows, I want to set the record straight. Because you know how our people are. They'll, they'll tweet. They'll text. They'll tout. They won't TikTok because it's banned. But everything else. Um Boo. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but a lot of different, uh, a lot of different kills and effects to choose from. What were, uh, what were your guys' favorite kill? Uh, I'm going with the, the harpoon gun oh, to the a, face. It's a good one. It's, you know, it's, uh, I, I think it's one of the only scenes that doesn't make the 3d look cheap and gimmicky. Um, it actually kind of works in that scene as opposed to, you know, hanging a clothesline. Whoa. Um, it's, it's definitely not gratuitous. Yeah. I fucking hate some of the 3d effects in this movie. Um, here's a yo-yo. Get fucked. Um, (laughs) yeah, it's my favorite and it's, you know, it's also kind of one of those things they don't really shy away from you know you see it in her eye you see the blood and everything it's it's just it's it's just fun because you know they teased it a few minutes before with uh fuck what's his name the doofus shelly shelly yeah yeah with uh shelly with the mask and the harpoon gun trying to like he's the bad guy and he does it in the most like. Well, never mind. We'll get there. We'll Dick get there. Dick Baggington is his name. We'll get there. We'll, we'll we we'll get to my Shelley rant. Oh yeah, we, yes. yeah. We're gonna spend a lot of time talking about Shelley. Um, oh. But yes, the harpoon gun is probably my favorite. The the thing about the harpoon gun kill that I love is it's the it's the first Jason with hockey mask kill, and you get a great look at him underneath that light. Like it is a it is a great shot of him, and like it just everything about it is fantastic. Like it's it, it's eerie. It's like he's just because he's just standing there, and then he raises it up and he aims. Bam! Like it's freaking awesome. That's a great choice. Thank you. Very much so. Better than whatever Scott's going to pick. Probably. This is true. This is true. Um, I mean, how can you compete with the, the penultimate, you know, the, the the spear gun on this? Though it is not my favorite kill. Okay. Uh, my favorite kill is uh, the handstand boy getting... Andy! 
split mm-hmm. half, my favorite one. First of all, it's going for the growing, and, and you know that yeah. makes me cringe. I'm sorry, just the, the machete coming right down, just oh, makes me shudder next every movie. Time. You know, and then second of all. You know, anybody who walks on their hands that much deserves to have bad stuff happen to them. I'm sorry. Okay, cool. You can do it. You don't have to do it every fucking place you go. You do it and, like 15 times in this damn movie. And who's he doing it to impress in that scene? His yeah, exactly. girl is in the shower. Well, and she's already pregnant. I mean, he doesn't need to impress her anymore. Yeah, this is true. His I mean, job is done. He probably should have impressed her a little less. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> Like, dude, too much. Take too no, much? Take a hint. Uh, she's already pregnant. You can't get her pregnant twice. Walk on your feet like a normal person. Uh, <laughs> no, it, like I, I love the camera work with with that one. Like the because like you see it from a from underneath, which is awesome. Yeah. Like it's such a cool perspective. Uh, it's 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 perfect that way. Like they don't do it from the top down, which it was the normal. Um, you know, the normal camera perspective Mm -hmm. up until that point, you actually get him uh, from underneath and you see both halves of his body go different ways, which is super cool with that angle. Uh, I love that kill. Yeah. That was, that was my favorite. Um, I, uh, I picked, uh, despite the fact that uh, the, uh, the special effect doesn't necessarily hold up depending on what version you're watching, what format you're watching the movie on. But uh, the eyeball pop is still – it still gets me. Yeah, it's uh, a good one. It, it looks kind of goofy. It's, it's, a, it's over the top, but it's, it makes me cringe every time. See, the thing I have with the eyeball pop, and, I, and obviously, and you know, you know why they're doing it and stuff. In my opinion, the reason it doesn't work and it doesn't it doesn't do it for me is because the eyeball doesn't go anywhere. You see it come straight out, and it stops. You actually see it stop like that split second before the cutaway. So it literally just stops in midair, right before the cutaway. Because they didn't either, they didn't cut away fast enough, in my opinion, or or what. But I don't think the gag works. I think I it's just, just because it's because it's trying to do the 3D effect. I think they just want to hang on it a little bit longer, so you can watch it in 3D. Uh, and I'm, I, I try not to like while I was watching this, I tried not to like any of the any of the negatives I had that were based on the fact that. When it was in, th- like when it was originally shown, it was in 3D. So they had shots to take advantage of it being in 3D. If it doesn't play now, I tried not to hold that against it. I can see that, and and, and so the guide wire and even the guide wire, because you can see the guide wire on the spear shot as well. Yeah, stuff like that. I tried to overlook those. The big thing with me was they they hang on it after it stops. Yeah, and it's just that I, was I my big. It took me out of it. I think it's just because it, like, if you're in the theater and it comes off the screen, like you kind of, um, like I, I think they want to just give people an extra second or two just to to look at it. Um, yeah. but I get it. Yeah. Like it's not, um, here comes a phrase I never thought I would say. It's not incredibly realistic, uh, even in a Friday the 13th movie, uh, for it to just hang there. Uh, but I think just the, the cringe factor of he's gripping the head so tight that the eyeball pops out. Uh, also it kind of, 
it's kind of surprising because up until that point, uh, like if you're following the part two formula, the boyfriend should be like he he's he's probably going to be there to the end. So him suddenly just getting grabbed, getting his eye popped out and then thrown through a window. You're like, holy shit. Like, I thought that guy was going to make it to the end. But you would be wrong because he was friggin' mortified. 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 Yeah, not just murdered. Full on mortified. That's that's. He, he probably got killed because of that sweater. Yeah, that sweater <laughs> just does not look good. And uh, there's even a load screen in Friday the Thirteenth, the game that's based on that kill, which is pretty awesome. Um. But yeah, just like I love, I love and hate the eyeball pop because it, it still makes me cringe. It uh, it's not especially well done now, but I imagine when I pop that disc in, because I'm telling you, like when I get that Shout Factory set, the first thing I'm doing, I'm putting the the 3D disc in. I'm going to that chapter. I'm going to put my VR headset on and I'm going to watch that kill in 3D and I'm going to see if it looks better and I'm going to see if it looks as good as I hope it will in the 3D, like with the gimmick going, because I think that's going to Scott, I think that will bring you around on it. And I look forward to seeing it. I'll probably have to borrow it from you because I don't think I'm going to spend quite the money on that box set that they're wanting for it, but I, I would definitely like to borrow it and watch the movie via the the PSVR. Oh yeah, like that's that's gonna happen. Don't worry about that. Because um, yeah, it it comes out. Um, it's uh, what October thirteenth, I think, is the release date. Um, yes, sir. I've got the uh, the, the Amazon pre order. They want one hundred and sixty through Shout Factory. Amazon wants one forty. So uh, I'm down with that. Um, so. But, uh, but yeah, like that's the first thing I want to see is I'm going to put that headset on. I'm going to load up that chapter and I'm going to watch that kill. And I hope that it is as good as I think it will be, because I think with the 3d element, I think it's going to be that much cooler. And I think uh, like, I, I have a feeling that I'm going to be like, oh man, I wish it stayed for an extra couple seconds because I wanted to look at that in 3d and freak myself out. But, um, no shortage of good kills in this one. Um, so we had a debate last time on uh, does is Paul dead or alive? I don't know. I haven't heard from him in a few days. Um, yeah, I mean, heard, heard from him on <laughs> Friday, but that's it. Uh, does Paul from part two die? Uh, me and Scott last time said yes. Koran said no. Well, in this movie, we have our answer. Mm-hmm. Because uh, in the opening newscast, if you're listening, uh, the newscaster, played by director Steve Miner, by the way, uh, announces that eight people, eight bodies have been found in the crime scene of Packenack Lodge. And if you take out, if you count the characters that uh, were killed on screen in the movie... You end up with seven. So by adding in the eighth, it is presumed that that is Paul. Well, see, I actually did a little different when I when I heard that. I, I pulled up uh, a list of kills 
right. for the Friday the Thirteenth series. Um, and uh, on Friday the Thirteenth fandom, they they have them listed by each individual movie, and right. so their total there's ten people killed in Friday the Thirteenth Part Two. And if you take out Alice, who's killed at the beginning five years prior, yes, and you take out Deputy Winslow, who is who is killed elsewhere, well, he's killed in the 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 shack, right? Right. That leaves you with eight, Ooh. including Paul. Um, but I, I'm a little curious because they said those eight bodies were found, but uh, Terry, her body's in the shack, right? Along with the the deputy, right? So if they're counting that, then Deputy Winslow becomes the eighth body, not Paul. Oh, that's interesting. And if they don't count it, then Paul. Well, see. Okay, here's the other theory. Let me let me uh, let me say this. Let's say let's go with this theory, and let's say that uh, they find the shack. Because the, the the theory would be that Ginny knows where the shack is because she's been there, so yes. she would tell them, "Hey, there's you know there, there there's more bodies in the shack." So that would bring you to eight, right? Yes, minus okay. Paul. Okay, so let's let, let's say that let's say that that eight does not include Paul. All right. The other running theory is that um, the new prophet of doom who I believe is called Abel in this one, uh, the guy who's laying on the street, who's, who's sleeping in the road, who has the eyeball. The theory is that that, that eyeball belongs to Paul. Oh. And that his body is not found. Well, yeah, because Abel does say there, was more, there were more pieces. Right. So, and he, he alluded to the fact that Jason gave him the eyeball. Did, did I pick up on that right? I didn't pick think up so. on that. He says he, he gave it to me. Oh. Yeah. Or no, I think he said God gave it to me. Uh, all I know about Abel is he was a he was a poor man's replacement for Ralph. Oh God, yeah, he was a shitty waste of a character. Yeah. Uh, but uh does he have Paul's eye? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Could be. Um, so, I don't know. Um, but while we're on that subject, it's time to talk characters. And we're gonna, we're, we'll get the big one out of the way already. He is the prankster character, the jokester character of this movie in the vein of Ned and Ted, we both we answered those questions for one and two. I will ask the question, and I feel like this one's going to be. We, we've been split on every movie up until this point, but I think we're going to all agree on this one. As we talk characters, is Shelley funny? No. No, Shelley is not funny. Uh, I said not but- even a little. But I, but I also have a different outlook on Shelley than I think you two will. Right. So What's I have idea? a much different. Okay. Okay. So I, just so you know, I identify with Shelley a lot. As far as I'm concerned, Shelley's me. 
No, no, I will explain now, why. Hang on, no, no, hang on. Let me, let me, let me get through this here real quick. I don't mean the the pranks because I'm not a prankster. I don't, I don't pull pranks, especially tasteless pranks like this, which he does. But that whole outsider way that he feels, I identify a lot with that. I mean. A lot. <laughs> oh, I uh, I agree with that completely. Like, I want to like Shelly. I want to. I forgive Shelly for more than I probably should because I'm with you. Like, I, I see a lot of myself in Shelly as well. But there's a point where, like, I no longer forgive him and I turn on Shelly. Well, uh, see, I, and and I disapprove of how far he goes in 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 his stuff, but I understand it um, because I do the same thing as Shelley does, and did the same thing as Shelley did when I was in groups of my friends like that because I was always the odd man out, uh, and I did the exact same thing that Shelley did, but not the same venue. I didn't pull pranks, and I didn't fake my own death and stuff like that. I always went over the top with my over-analytical nerd side. I mean, literally, that became multiplied fivefold badly when I was in those situations. And it still does when I'm in those situations because it's who I am. It's how I compensate uh, for being that odd man out that is completely awkward and doesn't feel comfortable in his own skin given the environment. But another thing that I get with Shelley is that previously – the two characters in this role are supposed to be the funny best friend archetype. And Shelley is not that archetype. He is not the funny guy archetype. He is a sad sack. That's the, that's what I give him when, when I look at his archetype. He's a sack of something. He's, all right. He's, he's Ted, <laughs> but Ted's a much more lovable version <laughs> of Shelley. He's the, he's the nineties version of that archetype, whereas Shelly is the 80s version of that archetype. Shelly is just a, a horrible person uh, that I like, I want to I want to like, I really want to to like Shelly, but I absolutely positively cannot um I, I, uh, Shelly is a character who, oddly enough, I'm going to go ahead and say this, um, the TV version, the edited version of Friday the 13th part three okay. is nicer to Shelly than he deserves. Ouch. Because there's a scene and this is the reason why I wrote down a phrase that I have never written down about any movie character ever in any of my notes for any podcast episode ever. Uh, I wrote Shelly funny, not even a little. And then the arrow goes to stupid incel. <laughs> and then the arrow goes to quote, bitch quote. And there's the line where he tells Vera that he really likes her and she stops him from talking and she's like, I'm going to go for a walk. And when I come back, we'll talk. And he gives her like this little smile and he's like, okay, we'll talk. 
And then he turns away from the camera and he just says, bitch. Um, which is the point where I wrote down stupid incel. Uh, in the TV version, that's cut out. Like he turns around and looks away from the camera, but he th- th- they take out where he calls her a bitch. And I think huh. I think that makes him more likable, and it's easier for me to forgive him for some of the other dumb stuff that he does, rather than in the theatrical version where he calls her a bitch. Okay. But uh, and that does that does change you know his character quite a bit. Yeah, like it's a it's a um, it's a pretty big turn for his character arc uh, when he he doesn't call her a bitch at that point because she just she's not interested in the fact that he's a garbage person. And I still feel very sorry for Shelley. Oh, I didn't he has like, my sympathy. I pity yeah, Shelley, him. Shelley brings it upon himself. He does. So I, why do you feel sorry for him? Because. Like I said, I see me. Every time I see Shelly, I see me. He doesn't know any better is the problem. Yeah, like he exactly. doesn't he doesn't know any better and he thinks that that's what people want him to be. And I think I think Shelly doesn't really know who he is. Uh and I think he would rather offend people and make people mad because at least that way they have some kind of emotion about him because if they didn't get mad at him, they wouldn't care about him at all. Yeah. I can. Yeah. But if we don't hate him, then that's it. Yeah. Then like the only emotion is is like I would rather people hate me than not care than have no emotion about me whatsoever, and so he does these things, and because um, I think at one point even uh, like someone says why do you do these stupid things and he says because I have to, and hmm. I think it's because he's afraid that people are going to feel nothing about him. And if you don't like, if you don't feel anything about him, then you know you're not well, going to be in his life. Well, and and also, you know, he's he's a bit overweight. You know, he's he's awkward. He's got this weird uh, Jufro thing going on. Ha, Shelley Finkelstein. The, yeah, and uh, you know, and literally, he's pigeonholed into into this this role by everything that was in the eighties telling him that he is physically not good enough. He is physically not attractive. He's awkward. And so when he says, you know, why do you do these things? Well, I have to, it's because that's the the role that's been imposed on him. Cause I mean, you know, it's just like whenever he shows up and uh, what's her name says, uh, says, where's my date? He pulls the mask off and says, sorry. First thing he does is apologize. Cause she's getting stuck with him. Well, I mean, he's not wrong. Yeah. That just hurts on so many levels. Well, because it's true. He's, he has, he, he doesn't believe in himself that his, that he himself, his character, his personality is quote unquote good enough. So that's like, um, 
when uh, like he's got the one bag and, and someone says, what's in the bag? And he says, my whole life. Mm-hmm. And it's it's all of his like props and gimmick crap and like prank stuff um, like that is his whole life. That is his whole identity. That is who he is inside that case uh, is, you know, the uh, the pranks, the uh, the fake blood, the fake axe, all that stuff, the harpoon gun, which he brought for whatever reason. See, I, I don't think he brought the harpoon gun. Well, he had it. You think he just found he it? He had it. Uh, no, actually, I think the harpoon gun and the wetsuit came out of the VW Bug, because if you'll look when they leave, there's a dive flag sticker in the back of the oh. VW Bug. I, th- I think Rick oh. is a diver. Okay, but do you think Rick and Shelly wear the same size dive suit? That I, I that, that I agree. I mean, come on. I agree with that. No, that, that's, that obviously they got a wetsuit with that fit as the actor. Yeah, but yeah. also, uh, by the way, third Friday the Thirteenth movie in a row to feature a Volkswagen Bug. Just uh, I don't. Know, I guess they came cheap at the time. Uh, I guess Nazi cars are cheap. So uh, uh, yeah, um, in the eighth. Volkswagens, the the old bugs and VW buses and stuff, they were a dime a dozen. Well, you can get those easy. Good. Well, yeah, that's that's how they got them. Uh, three movies in a row so far with uh, Volkswagen. Uh, but yeah, Shelley, just an awful, awful person. Um, I do feel I, I feel a lot of pity for Shelley. Um, I feel pity just because I know. I think I know uh, what he's feeling and uh, like, I get it. But uh, at the same time, how he responds to it is not okay. But that's, that's my opinion. Um, From one garbage person to another Harold. Can I just say he is the most disgusting character we've seen in Friday the 13th so far. He's gross. He's he does continue the trend because he is the this is the third movie in a row where a uh, a human being has a conversation with an animal. Um, <laughs> because he has a, a, a conversation with uh, with the rabbit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so third movie in a row, interesting. Uh, but first of all, he's uh, he's opening food uh, with his bare <laughs> dirty hands, yes. eating it with his bare dirty hands, but. His most egregious offense in this entire movie, in my opinion, is that he does not wipe himself after he gets up off the toilet. Nobody in this movie wipes themselves when they get up off the toilet. I don't understand it. <laughs> it's gross, Chong, man. Chong does it, too. Yeah, he does it. It's gross. And he's wearing white pants, by the way, which is even worse. That is confidence is what that is. Oh, he is wearing white pants. He does not wipe his ass after he takes it up. But I think I think Chuck is not sitting on the toilet long enough to actually do anything. I think the sound, like he gets in and sits down, and then it's like 30 seconds, and he's up and going. Uh, Harold has been in that bathroom long enough to flip through a magazine, and he's like halfway through that magazine before he gets up. Uh, dude should have wiped himself. And I mean, before anyone judges who amongst us hasn't sat down to pee before. 
Uh, I know you have. I know you have. Uh, I sit down to pee all the time. I use it as a break at work. <laughs> yep. I mean, I guess he's using it as a break from his wife, but. Well, but, well, but it's uh, not even a break. I mean, he he gets attacked by a snake. That, yeah. And then runs straight to the bathroom. Wow. Like, literally, yeah, when I watched the movie, the I, like, it, it goes to that. I thought he was going after a first aid kit because he'd been bitten. And then the next scene, he's just saying they're reading a magazine. I'm like, oh, okay. He just, yeah, he is he is gross for a lot of reasons. Wipe your ass, man. That's all. <laughs> just, just just wipe your ass. In a, in a, especially looking back now where you're like, hygiene, especially today, is more important than ever. Wipe your ass. That's all I'm asking for. I don't think that's too much to ask. Uh, he's, it could be. He's gross. You don't know. Uh, I have uh, I have under characters that says Harold talks to rabbit dot 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 doesn't wipe. <laughs> that's that's what my notes say. Uh, and we 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 have to touch on it. There, there's a difference between like eating food and then like when he picks up the thing that's. I don't know, Sunny D before Sunny D was the thing and just like chugs out of it. Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> Puts it all back on the shelf. Well, and he doesn't even take the lettuce off the produce shelf that the rabbit was eating. No. Well, then it's not refrigerated either. Yeah, like none of the stuff is True. refrigerated. It's just sitting out. Like, how much, how much business do you think they actually got? Well, it's, it's not really a question of business, but how much repeat? Yeah, business. not much. Yeah. I mean, look at the look at the condition of their house. No offense, but they're kind of living in a dump. Um, it's not it's not a really really nice house. Um, I mean the the shower curtain is a friggin' like brown, not leather sheet. Like it 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 doesn't look great. Um, so I guess I, I'm guessing that their their roadside market is not uh, doing. So well. Well, that, that's how they wash their sheets. So they have two. One goes on the bed, one becomes a shower curtain to get washed, and then oh, they just swap back and forth. So gross. <laughs> they, they are so gross. Um, yeah, just just disgusting. Um, his wife's a peach uh, who gets the, uh, the sewing needle through the mouth, which also, by the way, great, great knowing where your fingers are because he pushes that needle through, and it goes right between the two fingers, like, that takes skill. Well, you know, he he knits in his spare time, so he knows his way around a needle. I guess that's uh, – also that might be uh, where Jason gets his clothes because, you know, he had the uh, the overalls in part two and that checkered shirt. The, the do looks like something that Harold would probably have mm-hmm. uh, and then swaps him out for Harold's green shirt and gross pants. His non-white pants. Yeah, oh, so nasty. Um, just, just, just <laughs> gross. But uh, that's what puts him in a foul mood for the rest of the movie. He yeah. puts the pants on. He's like, "Oh shit, damn it!" Skid uh, marks. Ugh. Fuck it, I gotta go kill some people now. Now it makes me so angry. I must kill. Uh, <laughs> otherwise, uh, how do how do you guys feel about uh, Chris as a final girl? <sighs> I think that about says it all. Uh, big size. And uh, I think Ginny was a much stronger final girl. I think Chris is a uh, 
not great final girl? Well, I think them trying to pigeonhole that whole backstory in, into us takes away. It, I guess it's supposed to empower her, but I thought it took away from, well, everything. Yeah, I hate everything about that. I hate everything about that backstory of, I passed out. I don't know what happened. I woke up and he was gone. I was in my bed. Yeah. I hate, I hate everything about it. No, no, it's, it's, it's great. It's fantastic. It's a great backstory. It's not lazy at all. (laughs) Uh, No, come back. I have to, uh, I have to, uh, give a shout out to probably my favorite character so far in the series, uh, Biker Loco. Yeah. Probably my favorite. The guy that literally only communicates the first little bit in dog noises. <laughs> like, amazing. He's just, ruff, ruff. Like, he just, like, that's his, like, hey, coast is clear. Like, he's got his own dog language sounds. Like, they're not going to be like, hey, does that sound like a guy pretending to be a dog? That's weird. Maybe we should investigate. Like, he thinks that that's, like, natural. Like, you just hear random dogs out in nature. Just, I, I give him credit. Just roughing. Oh, stop it. Um, but uh, <laughs> also, uh, way to have uh, the other biker show up again at the end, only to have his hand chopped off, and then he gets killed. Like, could have been a really cool, if he would have lasted, like, another three or four minutes, it would have been kind of fun. Yeah. But he shows up and he's like, I'm still alive, gets his hand chopped off, gets hit in the face, and then just gets beaten to death, like, right there. That is literally why uh, the, because initially my favorite kill was going to be just the bikers, like that (laughs) all-encompassing 90 seconds. Yeah. But then he's still alive at the end, which I'd forgotten about when I was rewatching this, so it was just like, well, fuck. (laughs) And then he goes out like a bitch. Like a punk bitch. Because he does. He just gets his hand chopped right off. Knocked to the ground, and then, like, Jason just clubs the shit out of him, like, eight times. He's just, like, just beating him to death. It's, like, it's brutal, because I'm, like, he's still hitting him. And, like, Chris has time to, like, collect herself, find a weapon, get close to him, and I'm, like, he's still beating the shit out of that biker. Yeah. Like, he is, well, he he didn't have the common courtesy to stay dead the first time he killed him. He's just wearing his ass out. Um, other than that, uh, everybody else is kind of forgettable. Um, Rick, the doofus with Mrs. Voorhees, a sweater, uh, also, uh, almost travels into incel care, uh, territory, but, uh, he is, he's kind of a shitty character. Um, he's, he's pretty annoying. Um, also the, uh, the one girl who mentions that she's pregnant. And then we never hear about it ever again. Yeah. Um, so, Rick sucks. Yeah, oh yeah, Rick's the worst. Rick also looks like he's about 50 uh, in this movie. Yeah. I could have been making out with what's-her-name this weekend, but I'm here with you, so you should take me inside and have sex with me. Like, fucking, that's, that's dumb. Does he not have this, his kids this weekend? <laughs> <laughs> like, his kids that are blatantly in middle school or early high school? Uh, yeah, he's... 
He's not. That just add, that just adds to the level of sacrifice that he's given. See, I, it's my one weekend without the kids. I could have been having a sure thing, but no, I came here. So, but I'm here with you. So, but like, yeah, just just awful. Like he's a he's he's a bad character. Um, I'm glad that they fucked up his car. <laughs> the uh, very easily breakable safety glass. That's not yeah. safety glass. Yeah. Yeah, that looks real real bad. But uh, uh, it also uh, does not shatter in the way that it was hit. Like not at all. Does not match at all. But uh, um. well, you know. And then if you if we're on the two other things with Rick that just really piss me off is uh-huh. is they go through that entire you know where she's given the backstory you know and you can see in the background these the, the the car is over there with the lights on and then we. We, then we go to leave or whatever, and, and he's he's like, oh, the battery must have you know uh, gone down or something. I just had it charged yesterday. It's like, well, if you're fucking just leaving the goddamn lights on all the damn time without yeah. the engine running, no damn wonder your battery's shot. I mean, yeah. fuck, dude. And he's like, well, yeah, we'll no, just you know, leave it here and come back. Yeah, uh, just leave it. And, oh, yeah. and then we get back, and and they're looking for everybody, you know, and and. And literally, he's like, everyone's taken off and left us. You know, I was like, yeah, dude, you, you looked in one room. Good job. Yeah. <laughs> you think he was trying to be like, look, nobody's in this room. Let's go do it. <laughs> like, it's still a ploy. Like, he's still trying to have sex with her. And she's just like, no, I've had a traumatic, potentially rape-related experience that I'm telling you about. Sex is not something I want right now. And he's like, oh, well, when you say that, it just gets me all hot. Like... <laughs> There's nobody in this room. Come on. Yeah. Uh, they must have all left. Everybody must be gone. Oh, Rick, you're gross. Uh, which uh, brings us to our almost last uh, talking point, and that butts. is. Oh, well. Is it not butts? No, it's not butts. Oh damn it! I know. When this, are you going to include a butts category? This one does not have a lot of butts. Uh, next movie we'll have. We'll talk about the butts. I promise you, part four, we'll talk right. about butts. Uh, Deal. It brings us to this part. You see, Jason was my son, and today is his birthday. We're talking about how Jason appears in this movie. This is the first time, you know, we have the hockey mask. We get a, a full, we get several really cool looks at Jason. Uh, Still, one of my favorite when I images of Jason is after he throws Rick through the window and he comes in through that window and he's got like the one arm up and he comes in like that shot to me. Still, like when I think of Jason Voorhees, that image is one of the first ones I think of. Uh, the part three one. Yeah, like where he absolutely like Rick has come through the window, and then like he, you see like his upper half come through the like look like he comes up to the window and his upper half like you see it just it looks awesome, and I'm like fucking that's Jason Voorhees to me. One of the ones I always think about, and it's one of the like Jason things that sticks out in my head, and also probably why I like the harpoon kill so much is like that's how I picture Jason. Yeah, is when he's walking up on the on the dock with the hockey mask and has the harpoon gun and everything. And it's, I would say probably one of the more iconic looking Jason's. 
Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think, you know, it's it's the first time we see him like this, and it's kind of the one that stuck for a while. Um, yeah, it is, uh, it is going to be um, – the, the the image for a lot of people like it's going to be one of the lasting Jason looks I think uh, I love it um, in this one it's uh, Richard Brooker uh, who is now uh, no longer with us but uh, he he's another one of these uh, he's a fast moving Jason um, he's very very swift um, he's He's very brutal in this one, uh, but at Koran, like you said earlier, he's very creative. Uh, he's very, um, uh, you know, he's he, it's a very different, um, almost like a hunter style Jason. Yeah. Um, That's pretty spot on, I would say. Like, I think he's, he's, um, He's, you know, he's setting them up a lot, like kind of like we saw shades of it in part two where he's, he set the trap that uh, Scott got caught in um, and hung upside down. But this one, he's uh, like he's he spends a lot of time waiting in the barn. And so every time someone goes in the barn, you're like, oh, shit, like, you know, he's he's in there and you're going into his, his kind of turf. And um, so it's kind of interesting where he like he posts up in the barn before going into the house. And I'll tell you one thing also that I was watching this time, um, after playing the game for so much, mm-hmm. uh, like I got a sense of, I had a better sense of the geography and like the spacing. Now that I've played the game on that map. And so I was pretty impressed. I have to say, just you know, watching these movies like this after playing the game, I, I do have a at least. I'm, I'm, it's very impressive how well they've recreated the environments uh, yeah. from the movies and stuff. In my opinion, yeah. As much as gun media sucks, and I hate them, uh, they they did, do suck. They did a good <laughs> job on the maps. So, they did. They did a beautiful job on the maps. Um, but where does this Jason rank uh, so far in the three that we've uh, we've done for this? Uh, this this show, I guess, against part two, because there is no Jason in part one. But how do you compare this Jason to part two, Jason? Better or oh, worse? Much better look. Better. Better? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, this, you know, this is Jason. Uh, I love the way he moves. I love – I like the fact that we actually get for a while, we get the only Jason with a pristine hockey mask. Yeah. You know. Up to the end of this movie, because it's when it gets its first its first marring is in this movie. Yeah, we'll have to wait until uh, part eight to get another clean hockey mask. We'll have to wait. Um, we'll have to wait for a while. Although, is it me or you know when you see Jason unmasked, you got the droopy eye on the, the right hand side where he's disfigured? You know. Yeah. Is it me? But when you see him with the hockey mask on, that eye writes itself. <laughs> Yeah, it does. Um, that's one of those details that they get wrong, but then they'll they'll dress him up in the part two outfit for two frames because uh, they want that detail to be right. So figure that one out. 
because I got nothing on that one. Yeah, his his droopy eye uh, changes all the time. Uh, it changes a no. lot. But um, we um, we let me see here. I'm going to look up uh, the one thing. Um, I want to see how how this did um box office wise uh it made uh made a little over nine million dollars in its opening weekend uh and uh it um it has an eleven percent approval rating on uh rotten tomatoes which an eleven yeah it's got an eleven percent which i think is i i think that's too low uh I I feel like that's a bit too low. I think it should be a little higher, probably not much, but uh a little higher. Um it we had a budget of 2.2 million and it overall made 36.7 million dollars in its theatrical run. So it was a success overall. Um so I think it was uh I think this is where it hits the the formula cuz at this point it came out in 1982. At this point now, uh, Halloween 2 had come out, and the slasher formula had kind of been established. So like, kind of like how Part 2 was kind of paving the way, Part 3 is now firmly on that path. And it's the, the rules have been established, and kind of we know what, we know what to expect now. It's no longer the who done it. It's no longer a mystery like the first one. Uh, it's now full on. We know what's happening. We know the we know the outline. We know the plot points. We know what's going to happen. Um, we're not quite to the point where we start rooting for Jason and we just want to see all the creative kills, but we're getting there. Uh, there were a few in the like. There were a few times in this. I was like, yeah. You can kill him. Yeah. <laughs> Handstand really uh, sticks out to me. Shelly. And Grandpa. Yeah. yeah oh, God. Yeah. Uh, Shelly was, I think, the first one that I was like, I, I, I'm I, ready for him to go. Like, he, like, as soon as, like, initially, like, when I first see him, I'm like, yeah, I can't wait for him to go. He was very uh, Franklin from Texas Chainsaw to me. Yeah. Uh, where I'm like, oh, it's nice to meet you. I can't wait for you to die. <laughs> See now, I always want you know Shelley and Vera together to be like uh, the the funny guy from from Part Two who gets away because he never comes back from Ted. His, his, his yeah Ted. You know they go to the grocery and and then you know they 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 decide after you know because she's so turned on by the by him fighting off the bikers and and everything else like that that literally they just go off and be happily ever after and and make little shellies and and you know then then we get the whole follow-up series you know 30 years later with the finkelsteins yeah. uh, meet the finkelsteins that's what i want meet the finkelsteins exactly that's what i want <laughs> the alternate history he lost me at uh you know when he faked his own death in the beginning he won me back when he stood up to the bikers and then he lost me for good when he called her a bitch so uh that was my roller coaster of emotions with shelly finkelstein yeah but see with the alternate history you never get to the bitch part 
he doesn't do that. They, they go off, they get married, and they, you know, they have little Finkelsteins. And... Well, then I guess she is a bitch for ruining your alternate timeline. Exactly. See, <laughs> Shelly was right the whole time. She screwed up the timeline. Yeah, she did. Uh, so knowing that, knowing everything that we've talked about, uh, start to finish, on this fresh rewatch, we're all fresh from watching it. Out of five, what do you give this movie? Scott, we have a set order. You go first, yeah. I go second, Flanagan closes. Yeah. I give this one a four. Wow, a four. Okay. Any particular reason why? Or are you just, just a four? Well, no, I give this one a four. Because, you know, Friday the 13th without Jason, just because we've had so much with Jason, so you go back to the early ones. Yeah, they're okay. They're good. This one, we get Jason in the hockey mask. We've got some. We got some good kills. Uh, we get good gore. Uh, we very low on the the boob scale for this one. Otherwise, it would have been a four and a half. If we'd had good Friday the Thirteenth boobage in this one, I'd have gone with a four and a half. Yeah, but, you just got the pregnant girl in the shower, and that's it. Yeah, and that was just for like even, a second. Like, not to wax, uh, like, not to get specific or anything you, you don't even see nipple in that do you i don't think briefly so. yeah. there's, there's, there's uh, okay. like a couple of frames where she turns she goes she goes out to uh to close the door and then she comes back and, and like as she turns to, to to close the curtain and stuff after she comes back you get a little bit of of, of nipple in that one barely though no, it's not much yeah I, not. I had to i had to advance it frame by frame <laughs> of course you did uh, <laughs> The most Scott Cox thing you could say, man. Yeah. Went frame by frame to look for the areola. Look for the nipple. Oh, jeez. All right, Coron, out of five, what do you uh, what do you give it? Four. Four. God damn you, okay. Scott. Uh, unlike Scott's reasoning of boobs, it only gets a four instead of a four and a half for me. Because of Grandpa and Incel, so. Okay. <sighs> uh, Sorry. No, no. Well, uh, I feel like the uh, the the Debbie Downer of this one because I'm I give this one a three. Oh wow! Uh, I have uh, for a while. I used to think that this one was my favorite. Uh, the more uh, like it's one of these that the more I watch it, the less I like it. The more I watch it, the more I I find like my hatred for Shelley grows, my <laughs> my my confusion and um, uh, not anger, but just disgruntledness with the continuity and other things that just that uh, why why this why this annoy me. Uh, and the parts that um, that I like, I'm like, oh yeah, but the but the, you know, another movie does it better, and it just for me it just does not hold up on repeat viewings the way that I used to think that it did. Uh, there are still parts of it I really really like. Um, you know, I love I love the eyeball pop. I love there there are a couple really creative kills. It's it is probably the most Friday the thirteenth of at least the first half of the Friday the thirteenth movies. Uh but 
I just find that there's more that I dislike about it than I like about it. Um, so yeah, I, I gotta go three. Okay. I gotta go three with it, which, uh, it trust me, that's still probably going to put it in the top half of by the time we get done, because I don't know if you guys realize this, but we're almost done with the good ones. Uh, I'm sorry. What? Yeah. Like we're almost done with the, the good ones. There's one pretty deep in that's really good. We, we haven't gotten to two of my favorites yet. That's, uh, uh, like once we get past this next one, there's not a lot good to be found. Uh, there's, there's at least one that, uh, is out of this world, but, uh, and it's, it's, it's that good. But beyond that, it's, it's about to be a tough road to hoe here soon, but so enjoy these good ones while we have them. (sighs) But, uh, I think thanks to the, uh, the, the rockin' tunes of hot ice, We've safely. I feel like you're not saying it right, man. I feel like it needs that like '80s twinge. Like, hot ice, hot ice. <laughs> Ow. Um, we uh, we made it out of of Higgins Haven, and um, so now I think it's time that we uh, we take a, a little visit uh, down the street. I know a safe place we can go. Uh, to get away from all this carnage, uh, it's it's actually it's just down the lake a little bit. Uh, it's with this really nice family, uh, the Jarvis family. So we'll hang out with them. Oh, nice! And we'll get a little. Oh. Yeah, yeah. They got a dog. Yeah, yeah. They got a dog named I Gordon. I love Jarvis in, in the Marvel movies and stuff. He's he's awesome. And how you kick someone out? Um, <laughs> remove. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll hang out with uh, the Jarvis family. Uh, they got a dog that we can hang out with. And, uh, you know, they, they live a very calm and quiet life. So I think uh, from here on out, I think it's going to be going to be easy, easy going. And it's all uphill from here, boys. It's, yeah, it's, it's all uphill from here. That is the truth. So uh, this puts a pin in uh, Friday the 13th, part three. So I guess uh, we'll uh, we'll see everybody for... Oh wait, wait! I'm checking my notes. I, uh, you guys, we're almost done. Like we only have one more left in this series because the next one's called the final chapter, so it's done, right? Oh, no, that's true. That's true. Wait, all right, so quick. All right, awesome. so so we'll see everybody next time for Whoa. the last installment. Yeah, the final chapter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And until then, until then. Um, just remember, uh, that, um, it should have been Tommy Chong. It really should have been Tommy Chong because he will always be one of our friends with benefits. <laughs>